Life Audio. I used to be so intimidated by fasting. I I learned a lot in trying fasting. And I remember one of my dear friends said to me, fasting without prayer is starvation. I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. And after a quick word from our sponsors, my guest, Amy Seifert, and I will be back to talk about the spiritual practice of fasting, what it is, what it isn't, and why it matters. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Amy Seifert is the author of Grace Looks Amazing on You and her newest book, Starved. Why we need a spiritual diet change to move us from tired, anxious, and overwhelmed to fulfilled, whole, and free. She is on the teaching team at Brookside Church, and she is an affiliate crew staff member and a regular version Bible teacher. She loves to travel and speak and, of course, try new foods on all of her adventures. <laughs> and she is married to her college sweetheart, Rob. They live in Bowling Green, Ohio, and they have three children together. Well, Amy, thank you so much for making some space for us today. Oh my gosh. Thank you for inviting me here. I've been looking forward to it. Me too. Well, so we are in the season of Lent, which is a time that is traditionally set aside in the Christian calendar to focus on repentance and renewal. And it's really just a way for us to prepare our hearts for Easter and what Jesus did for us at Easter So in this series, we're specifically focusing on practices that help us become more mindful of God and what his best is for us. Today, we're going to focus on the practice of fasting, which you've written about in your new book, which you ironically titled Starved. (laughs) So I love that. (laughs) (laughs) But the whole book is not about fasting. So I really want to back up just a little bit and start with what you saw in the world and how that stirred you to write this particular book for this season of our culture and life. Absolutely. I actually, um, I saw it under my own roof first, (laughs) as goes Mm -hmm. many things, and then began to see it everywhere else. But um, my oldest son was, he was diagnosed with Crohn's disease when he was 11. And leading up to that point, he, over a course of about eight weeks, he lost 15 pounds. Wow. The, the food he was eating, everything he was eating was, was no longer nourishing him. Like he was eating, but he was starving. And just watching this need for, we've got to try a whole new diet change for him to just put this into remission. And I remember standing in my kitchen 
and I had spent many nights Googling <laughs> Crohn's disease, remission, like, how are we going to do this? And, and I'm pulling every spice and um, everything out of my pantry, just everything, looking at the labels and seeing is there maltodextrin, like, what are these sneaky starches we need to get, you know, we're looking at everything. And I'm just standing there surrounded by all this food and I'm, I'm crying, I'm overwhelmed. And I felt like God said, listen, you have been feasting on Google and research and mm. I mm. want to shepherd, shepherd you through this, but you have to come to me and let me lead you to a green pasture. And, and to, not to say like, let me read you, lead you to Crohn's disease is now gone, but let me lead you through this valley. And then just started to see, oh my gosh, I think, I think we're all in need of a spiritual diet change. <laughs> where we're feasting on all kinds of things from our own self-sufficiency to our phones and noise and pride and, and to really think what are the meal replacements we need? Cause we're, we're, we're eating, but we're starving. Mm, gosh, that's so good. And such a big topic to tackle. Yes. <laughs> Um, just like revamping your child's diet. I mean, like that, even that specific thing that you had to do in your home is, can be very overwhelming. But what I love about what you've done is you pick out these certain topics and you lead us to gently re-examine the way we are living our life with God. And then you give us some practices to lean into. So I, I'm all about practices. Like that's the whole podcast. Yes. So I, <laughs> I, love I was it. like, I love it. oh yes, definitely. We need to have Amy on the podcast. She's, <laughs> she's living out what we love here. So I want to talk though about, let's just dive into fasting and through your study and your own personal experience, just unpack fasting for us a little bit. And what are some of the spiritual benefits? Yes. So fasting, oh my gosh, I used to be so um, intimidated by fasting. So for your listeners, we were like, oh boy, I, I learned a lot in trying fasting. And I remember one of my dear friends said to me, fasting without prayer is starvation. You're just starving yourself. And I thought, mm -hmm. okay. Um, <laughs> and then just searching the scriptures. What is the model for fasting? What is it? What isn't it? And seeing Jesus say that we, we don't live on bread alone. We live on the word of God. And so for me being intentional, if I'm going to fast e either one meal or a whole day or a series of days, I am asking God, what scripture, what passage can I feast on? Because fasting as, I mean, Dallas wrote a lot of the great Richard Foster talked about fasting is feasting really, because we get to really sit in the word of God, um, which I remember some of the first times I fasted lunch, I just worked through lunch is what I did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was really convicted, like, wait, I was hungry. I didn't even sit with God. I used it as an extra time to like get things done. I'm just listening to the spirit say, no, take a walk with me, worship Psalm 23, read it over and over. You know, what is the place I'm going to actually feast in the middle of my fasting? Yeah, I really resonate with that. I have done the same thing. I have fasted and just been like, great, now I've got extra time to get things done. And that's not the point. Or I've fasted yeah. with this little like dark underbelly of, look at all the calories I'm not eating. <laughs> it's like a spiritual quote unquote diet. Absolutely. <laughs> that's not the point. That yes. is not the point at all. And I love what you brought up. It's, it's actually right. creating space in our life to 
turn to God in prayer and worship to notice some things. One of the things that I love that you said is that the discipline reveals to us what is controlling us. Yes. How have you found that to be true? Oh man, it's really something when you remove the most um, basic need like food, all of a sudden I feel like underneath um, my grumbling, my anger, my irritation, my frustration, I mean, it all, the hangry nature rises to the top and it's so frustrating. Fasting can feel like, oh my gosh, it's so (laughs) revealing. Um, And I I, I feel like I have to throw myself at God's feet when I fast to say, Lord, you have to fill me with your spirit because apart from nourishment from you and nourishment from food, I am going to be an angry person. (laughs) Like I I need you more than any kind of need there is. Um, Cause I don't, I don't want my kids to say, Oh, it seems like mom's fasting today because she's so mad, you know, like pressure. So that extra revealing of the need there, the basic grumbling need and how grabby we can get when it comes to wanting that sugar fix or that, you know, whatever that sustenance. Um, I just, I see my need the most clearly when I fast as one of the practices. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, that leads us right into the passage that you recommended we meditate on, which is Matthew 6, 16 through 18. I'll read it for us real quick. It says, and these are uh, Jesus's words. He says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I think it's pretty obvious why you suggested that passage for us, but let's talk a little bit about it. Tell me, you know, how that passage has become meaningful and impactful to you. Absolutely. Um, I think it was so good. Even this morning, I spent some time yeah. in it. And the greater context of Matthew 6, this is the Sermon on the Mount, but he starts chapter 6 with the idea of practicing your righteousness, this idea of practicing, which I love because practice says, we're going to get it wrong. <laughs> we're going to fail. We have a lot to learn. You know, like if I'm practicing my free throws, I'm not perfect at it, but I'm, I'm getting a little better here and there, you know. So just that idea of practicing, but the, but then you see this theme of don't practice how you give as a hypocrite, like sounding the trumpets, like, look what I'm giving. Don't practice praying loudly in front of everybody. And then it comes to don't practice fasting. And so it seems like, um, I even wrote this down this morning after I just spent some time meditating on it. Fast, he, like Jesus's desire is that fasting removes performance. Mm. And, and invites presence. Oh, that's good. Yeah. To just remove, this is not about performance and that's what it's all couched in. But, but, but this is between you and your father in secret, inviting presence that I would be present and whole, and then the Lord would be present to me. And that just jumped off the page to me this morning. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what's jumping out to me as you're even unpacking that is it's assumed that we would fast. It wasn't a, hey, here's something new to try, but it's the don't do it so that others see your righteousness, quote unquote, do it so that you're in communion with God. So that I love that it's not about the performance, right? Which is what others people are seeing, but it's about 
helping our helping us our 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 weak bodies become present mm-hmm. to our holy God. We're going to pause here for a quick word from our sponsors, and then Amy and I will be back to continue our conversation about fasting. Let's dive in just a little bit more into that performance side, because I think there's some other wrong motives that we get for why we've either been told to fast or misunderstandings about fasting. So unpack a little bit of that for us that you've just discovered in your study about why we don't fast. Yes. Well, you even see in Isaiah, the prophet says like, your, your fasting is like filthy rags to me. Like you are trying to get something from me, that idea of like, I'm going to fast so that I get something from God versus that's, that's not what this is, that we would commune with him. Just as you said, that we would connect and commune and be present and, and be attuned to what his spirit is saying to us. Mm-hmm. And even as I say that there have been times where we fasted and prayed and asked God to do something. And, and then he didn't, he didn't do the thing. And so then we had to come to the place where do I still worship a king who, when we asked for something that we thought was really good, he didn't do it. Like, is he still worthy of our worship? And the answer is yes. I tell a story that my, my dear friend, um, her husband was diagnosed with brain cancer in his thirties and she had a two-year-old and a nine-month-old. We prayed, we fasted. He was a spiritual, he was a man of God. He was on staff with crew. He had been in Istanbul. He had, he was just a missionary God's man. We fasted, prayed, and he died. Mm. I mean, we, as a community across the globe, truly, we were devastated and sad. And, and we had to come to a place where we thought, okay, our fasting isn't about, do we get the thing we're hoping for? Because the, the, the thing, the goodness is, do we have God? Is he there? Does he walk through the fire with us, whether or not he saves us from it? And it's really, I mean, deepening my faith in that, that season of fasting was, was really huge. I had a lot of doubt, a lot of wrestling and a lot of really trying to find God in the middle of, of that fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is heartbreaking to just have so many people petitioning God and asking for something that is good. There is nothing bad about what you were asking for. Yes. And to not be able to understand the greater will and plans and purposes of God can, you know, feel very confusing to us as believers. And I think what you just said was so impactful to me. The fasting isn't about the getting something from God as if we could manipulate God or, you know, change the will of God. Now, I mean, there is some indication in scripture that we pray and, and if it's in within the scope of his will, he is delighted to answer those prayers for us as his children. Mm -hmm. And yet sometimes it is not in the scope of his will. So what is it then that we receive? And I just am thinking, well, we receive the nearness of God, the presence of yes. God, the reminder that he is still good and he is still sovereign. And, and there is more, there's more than just this life. So it is that reframing yes. of who our God is and that reminder, but, oh, that's a lot for the soul to have to go through. Yes. And I, I mean, Kelly is still a dear friend of mine and like her, so her boys are in college and high school and seeing how God wow. 
has provided father figures, has provided for her Mm. over the last 15 years, has been like, we can point to the goodness of God through her story, even though she wouldn't have written it in this way. She can, she still testifies to the goodness Mm. of God through it. So good. As you studied scripture, I'd love to know what some of the examples of fasting were that you found and what the Lord helped you see about what those instances actually have in common. Cause there, there's so many different reasons why we see people fasting in scripture, but I feel like the Lord gave you some great insight into that. So share that with us. Yeah. I love looking to see why did people fast in the Bible? What, what caused them to say, I am just done with food. I am seeking the Lord. Like I've got to, you know, so um, yeah, Esther, we see Esther called to fast. And I mean, she has the famous line, if I perish, I perish and just seeking the Lord. And she saved herself and her people. Mm-hmm. Um, Nehemiah fasted. And mm-hmm. what's interesting about Nehemiah's fast is he wasn't part of the rebellion, but he fasted on like on the behalf that there would be repentance for people together. Like he put himself in that camp and to rebuild that wall. Ezra fasted for deliverance mm-hmm. um, and, and God provided. We see Jonah call, like when he asked Nineveh to repent, they fasted as a part of the repentance. Judges records a corporate fast for victory. And then obviously we see Jesus fast 40 days. And I, every time his response is just scripture back to the enemy, just scripture, which is another reason that we would say, let's feast on God's word as we fast from food mm-hmm. because that will feed us. So yeah, just seeing all the different ways that God would call you. So I just want to encourage your listeners. There could be a million reasons that God puts on your heart to enter into a time of seeking him in this way and experiment, go for it. See if that reason is, you know, if he has something for you to reveal to you. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I love is how you really threaded all of that together and what you saw, I'm going to quote you, (laughs) you said fasting was never a command. So these people were not told to fast, but It was always about the practice of seeking God, trusting God, depending on God. It was about the heart. And when a heart is weary, overwhelmed, afraid, grieving, fearful, that is when we see men and women of old fast to center on God, the giver of life and nourishment. I just thought that was so beautifully put as a way to help us see one of the main reasons we fast is to recenter our life on God. And that's exactly what they did. You know, and, and Jesus is a really interesting example. Well, he's the son of God and that makes it interesting also. Right. <laughs> he didn't need to fast to repent of anything. Not that that is a reason why we fast even. I mean, although Nehemiah was fasting on behalf of the people to repent. But what is interesting to me about Jesus is a lot of times that is where this 40 days of Lent Mm -hmm. springs out of. For many people, they point to the fasting of Jesus for 40 days. And one of the main practices of Lent is to fast, um, to take something off in order to receive something from God, to be present to God. One of the things that you have said, and I want to go back and talk about this, because in Matthew 6, the verse we meditated on, it says that our father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Let's talk about that reward. 
what is it and what isn't it? I think we've danced around it already, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> just exactly. be clear. <laughs> yes. I mean, over and over we see like, so right before this, he gives us the Lord's prayer and, and there's this call that the father's like kingdom come here and the reward of joining his kingdom, sitting in kingdom, being loved in his kingdom, being near to the king in his kingdom. I think the reward is the king in his kingdom, not necessarily mm-hmm. this result, um, this outcome. We are so outcome driven, performance based, <laughs> you know, what are, what, what happened here because of it, but, but to, to sit and be with the king. Um, I think is a really sweet reward. I mean, I read that and I'm like, hmm, even this morning when I was meditating, I thought there have been different points where I have seen God's hand move and he has answered the prayer we requested or did give direction or instruction. Like we sought him, like, God, what is next in our life? Will you give us this direction? And he has through the nearness of his presence as we found. So it feels like that's the paramount, the first thing is his presence and then seeing what he provides mm-hmm. there. Do you see it that way? Is that how you? Absolutely. I think like, and I love what you just said too, about fasting. There are seasons in our lives where we need more clarity. Yeah. And this is one way that we can be intentional to kind of strip away some of the things that, that clutter our life and actually comfort us. And comfort is not bad, but a lot of times we turn to these things that comfort us, food, or our phones, or mm, fill in the blank, Mm -hmm. because we're trying to make ourselves feel better instead of sitting in the discomfort and sinking God in that discomfort. And so I think for me, fasting has been about turning purposely away from something that brings me comfort. And again, that is not always bad. Right, A nice cup of tea and some good chocolate is not bad if that comforts me, you know? <laughs> exactly. And yet for yes. a season, maybe I need to say, you know what? I'm not going to take this external thing to comfort me. I'm going to actually seek the Lord. And and that can bring some clarity. That So yes, I, I agree with you. It is the, the seeking of God. Yeah. <laughs> That's the reward. Yes. <laughs> the reward is a deeper, more abiding relationship with our God. Yes. That's the reward for me. And to know that that, uh, when you strip away all the other things that we would want to run to, God is enough right there. Because mm-hmm. I want to go to noisy things, things, you know, let's scroll Pinterest and it's remember, you know, like, no, he is truly enough. Yeah. We got to practice that. <laughs> we do a thousand million ways. <laughs> yes. And thankfully in heaven, it'll just be so ever present before us. We won't even have to practice it. We won't have to you know, turn aside from things, it'll just be there and it'll be easy and it'll be delightful and amazing. He says like, you don't need to fast because I'll be with you, right? You fast when the bridegroom leaves, but when we're together, we won't need to. Yeah. Yeah. Then we are really, we're feasting in every sense of the word then at that point. It will be glorious. (laughs) Okay. So Amy, fasting isn't always about food. So let's talk a little bit because for some people, fasting from food would be a very bad idea yes. for lots of different reasons. Mm-hmm. So what are some other ways you've seen people fast and maybe even that you've practiced fasting for yourself? Yes. I have seen people fast from all kinds of things, from Netflix for a season, um, shopping. I've done six-month shopping fast, just buying nothing new. Um 
clothing have done that. Um, you know, it's what sometimes the thing we're pining after may be the very thing God says, Hey, I'm gonna, can I hold this? Can I be enough for you? Can I have this mm-hmm. for a season? Yes. Yeah, so I think there's a variety of ways to fast from specific things that aren't just food. Cause yes, it could be, Oh man, so many, so many hard things for, for those where food is, has been a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a variety of ways and God will meet you in, in the turning away from something, like you said, that brings us comfort to say, each time I want to grab for that, I'm going to grab for you, God. Yeah. I mean, and I think the list is endless and very personal. And I, I do think the Holy Spirit is faithful yes. in helping us see what are some things that consume our time and our energy and, you know, our brain, our mind, our thought life yes. that we could turn aside and replace with him if we if we reallocated that energy mm-hmm. to him and to being focused on him what might that do in our lives for a season and this isn't forever either these are seasonal things that we choose for fixed periods of time yeah for me lately i've been doing on sundays practicing sabbath not going on social media for the day like just that's just not and that is so good because I carry that with me the rest of the week. Like there isn't, you can, I can just feel the like, eh, it's fine because I took an intentional time, a pause in my rhythm. Um, so just interesting what God will do with your heart to give stuff up. Yeah, that is, it's, it's a bit of a detaching from, yes, you know, and social media is such an interesting beast all by itself because there's all of these like chemical things that happen in our brains and you know I mean yes yes dopamine it's like all the truly (laughs) addictive things that happen (laughs) and so I think you're right by saying Mm -hmm. no to that for 24 hours and discovering I'm not only fine without it but I'm actually find myself more more of whatever rested relaxed engaged with the people in front of me all of those things then through the week you realize I don't need it as much as I thought I did. And I and it's it. not even that we think we need it. I don't think anybody says I need social media dopamine hits right now. Right. But I think it's just this subconscious thing that we do. And by drawing our attention to it and refocusing away from it, it just, the intentionality is helpful. Oh, and to loosen those chains, like Isaiah talks about it, they get, like that we loosen the chains of oppression. Mm-hmm. What is oppressing us personally? What's oppressing our community? Like what is, what, what do we need freedom from that to yeah. say, I don't need it. I'm okay. So good. Amy, what are some encouraging closing words that you have for anyone who feels a desire to try fasting and maybe they haven't done it before, or maybe that's been something that they've, you know, tried and failed at before. It's just not been a good rhythm in their life in the past. What are some words of encouragement you have for those people specifically? I would say, I hear you that it feels overwhelming and intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> it's scary. I, one of the things I would say is choose a passage beforehand and try to try one meal, uh, try to fast, say lunch. And I would recommend Psalm 23 to just sit with it, maybe get out of wherever your workplace is, however long your lunchtime is. Could you go on a walk? Could you read it? Is there, could you listen to music? But whatever could that 
it's not, we're not just removing something, we're replacing it with the goodness of God's presence. And I would say, don't let the, um, the idea of like letting everybody know you're fasting deter you from maybe fasting with a friend or with a community to say, oh, it's good. Hey, we're, it doesn't, you know, does anybody want to fast with me on Wednesday? Maybe we could break, like we've done in our community group on Wednesdays for a season, we fasted and then we broke bread together and we shared, you know, how was that experience? Did God reveal anything? What was really hard? Not as a way to sound our trumpets, like look at us, but to be in community in the middle of that has been really sweet for me. I'm so glad you said that. I think that's such a great encouragement because what Jesus is talking about here is this very performance space. Mm -hmm. And that's what he was saying. Don't do that. He's not saying it's not like you shouldn't tell anyone (laughs) that you're engaging in this practice because I do think there is support from the community. There's learning from the community, intentional prayer, perhaps you and a person, you know, a, your prayer partner meet together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or, or someone that you can pray with for a season, you know, even on Zoom or whatever, and just spend that time intentionally praying together. I love that. Um, so there's lots of different ways that I think it is important to bring community into it. So that's great, great exhortation. Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying that. Yes. Absolutely. Well, friends, we have just scratched the surface of Amy's book. I mean, truly fasting is one short chapter in her book. And she talks about all these different kinds of ways that we can become more nourished followers of Christ. And she does it with grace, transparency, humor, infusing her own life and story into it. So I think you'll really enjoy the other practices she discusses and the topics that she discusses. So There is links in the show notes for how you can connect with Amy, how you can get her book and do a deeper dive into what she's talking about and all the things. So Amy, thank you again for making some space to be with us today. Oh my gosh, Jody, my pleasure. What a gift to share space with you. Thank you. Mm. Well, friends, I also do want to just give a quick second to thank the team of Life Audio for their partnership with us. And if you go to lifeaudio.com, there you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts that are in their network. There are shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and even this one on scripture meditation. And as always, I do want to thank you for joining me and Amy on so much more because we really do believe Jesus has so much more to say to us. And this is one way we are creating space to listen. This is Chris Christensen, and back in 2006, I started a simple project, a project to try and introduce more people to the Bible through Bible study called the Bible Study Podcast. It's a simple name and a simple idea. Each week, every week, we study one chapter of the Bible, talk about what it says and what that might mean for us today. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for the Bible Study Podcast on your favorite podcast app.